It's the Win Daily Podcast with your host, 12-time live DFS championship qualifier, four-time defending fantasy pros home run champion, the beast himself, Jeremy Muntradamis Munter. Welcome to the Win Daily Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Muncher Domus, and we are joined once again by the fantasy weather guru himself, Mark Perquet. Hey, how's it going? We may get some use out of me for today. I mean, it looks like we get some rain along the eastern seaboard and some games are at risk. So hopefully I can lead you from going astray in terms of the weather department. Uh, we know you got our back, Mark. So with that being said, let's just jump straight into the action with whipping around the infield. Whip it! Whip it good! First game on the slate is the Baltimore Orioles are hosting the Tampa Bay Rays and Blake Snell is on the mound. Yeah, he is. And uh, this is one of those games that is risk of some rain, especially in the morning into the early afternoon hours. Looks really wet. If they're patient, they should be able to get this game in. But one thing I've always learned to look at is this is a division opponent. Opponent Tampa Bay will be coming back into Baltimore later this season. So a, a postponement here is a possibility just because of that. It's going to be damp. It's going to be wet. And it's going to be really wet in the morning. So this may be an early postponement. Wow, that's interesting because I'm sure Blake Snell is obviously the number one most popular pitcher on this slate and you're saying there's a chance the game may be, may be postponed. What are, what are we looking at? Like what time is it going to start raining? What time do you expect the rain to end? Well, the rain will begin tonight and then, and then some of it will be pretty heavy and it should last right through the morning hours. According to what I'm looking at, it should end probably in the one to 2 PM time frame right when scheduled first pitch is supposed to start. But the problem is it's going to be raining when they make that decision in the morning or very early in the afternoon. So it could, this is sort of like, you just got to keep paying attention to what I'm saying in terms of weather. And hopefully if they do make a decision, they make the decision early. Oh, I, I hear you a hundred percent, but let me ask you this. If the rain's going to stop around game time, even if it's 2 PM, is that the last of the rain for the entire day in the city of Baltimore? Yes, but it'll just be damp. It's not going to like be sunny or anything in the afternoon. It's just cloudy, overcast, drizzly, damp type of thing. So if they do play, then there's a huge advantage for Blake Snell. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. This should be good conditions. I mean, uh, you are in Camden Yards. It is going to be muggy. The ball will carry, but Blake Snell is Blake Snell, and, and the Baltimore Orioles are the Baltimore Orioles when it comes to their offense. So fire up Snell if it, if it plays. Fire up Snell. Let's move it forward. We are in Miami with Julio Teheron against Pablo Lopez. I was looking at Teheron um, to roster him, but he's been really pretty bad on the road. I mean, but you have to like the pitching matchup against – Pretty much a hapless Marlins team, especially against righties and in the ballpark, it strongly favors the pitching. Yeah, you look at that Miami lineup. I know we talked about it a little bit yesterday with a 3-4-5, Brian Anderson, Starling Castro, Prado. 
But the guy that stands out to me is someone that can get to Julio. It's a bit of a sleeper, but Curtis Granderson, who's hitting leadoff. How do you feel about that matchup? Yeah, that guy's got a little pop. He's a opposite hand batter, lefty versus righty, and batting leadoff, so he'll get four at bats at least. And yeah, he he could go yard. There's no doubt about it. Teheron hasn't been great on the road, but I'm sure none of those starts have come in Marlins Park, though. Four at bats for projected Granderson. He has four home runs on the season, hitting 182. <laughs> if you want a nice little sleeper, you can reach there. Let's keep going. We're in Cleveland now where Eric Swanson, who started out hot with his major league career with two nice starts, is now fallen. He's going up against Cody Anderson in Cleveland. Should be pretty neutral weather-wise. Uh, no rain in the forecast, really no wind. Temperatures in the 60, a little bit of humidity in the air, but nothing extreme. So pretty neutral weather-wise. Um, we saw a really good game yesterday between the two teams. It's been a good series so far, and I would expect that to continue. Two pretty good teams here. Someone that stands out to me as a fantasy play is going to be the leadoff hitter, D. Gordon, for Seattle. He's only $2,700 on FanDuel. I can see him getting on base very easily against Cody Anderson, actually even stealing a base, maybe two, maybe three. He's that cheap, huh? That That is tough to pass up, batting leadoff. He's the road uh, team leadoff hitter, so you know they're going to get nine trips up to the plate, uh, play a full nine innings for them. Um, you have to like that price. When you see D. Gordon in the season-long baseball league to start the year, you know, you thought he was going to be batting ninth, and a lot of people skipped on him. He went the ninth, tenth round, that range. Now with Malik Smith in the minors, he's, uh, he's batting leadoff every day. And when Malik Smith comes back, do you think Malik Smith will take that leadoff spot away from D? Well, the question's always been about Smith is, can he hit major league pitching? Now, he did at the second half of last year, but he'd never done it over a full season. You had mentioned um, Bellinger last night. Can he keep it up for a full season? And I think, obviously, Smith is nowhere the talent that Bellinger is, but the same questions are there. Can he hit full full season? The the jury's out, and until he proves otherwise, I'm going to say no. Do you like Seattle as a potential stack against Cody? You got D, you got Domingo Santana, Edwin Encarnacion, Hanniger. They certainly seem to have no problem hitting home runs yesterday against Carrasco, so I wouldn't see why that pattern of long balls would not continue today. All right, lock it in, the Seattle stack. Let's move to Detroit, where Spencer Turnbull who's surprisingly shocking Major League Baseball with a 2.53 ERA, hosting Brad Keller in the Royals. Weather conditions very similar to what they are across uh, Lake Erie and in Cleveland. A really good day for a baseball game. Um, wow, yeah, this is a surprisingly good pitching matchup, isn't it? A Keller has had his good starts and Turnbull as well, and... Not like both these offenses really scare you a ton, though Kansas City certainly put up some runs yesterday. But, yeah, this is a good matchup for Turnbull, isn't it? Let's, let's look a little deeper into the weather to answer that question. Now, is there any advantage for the pitchers with this weather that we got? Not really. It's pretty darn close to neutral temperatures. Anytime temperatures are above 70, I like to think, start thinking that's going to favor the batters. It's not going to be above 70. It's going to be in the 60s. 
there's really no wind to speak of. The humidity is basically right where it should be neutral. So we get a pretty much a neutral weather environment and a, a park that maybe slightly favors the pitcher, but pretty darn close to neutral as well. Yeah, you know, despite the fact that both these pitchers are pitching well and they're both going up against offenses that are far from prolific, I still do not trust either of these pitchers, no matter the circumstance, until they do it for at least a couple months, not just a few starts here and there that are solid. Yeah, I agree. And I think both bullpens really struggle as well. So if either pitcher, starting pitcher, were to exit early, then you've got a pretty bad bullpens to deal with. There could be some runs scored there. Let's go to Pittsburgh, where Jordan Lyles is on the mound hosting Frankie Montag. Jeez, I mean, Lyles was like the DFS darling going into his last start, and then that was a disaster. I forget who that was against, but uh, weather should be pretty damp, cloudy, drizzly, not really rainy, so I'm not worried about a postponement like I am further east in Baltimore or Philly when we get to that game, but um, pretty strongly favors the pitcher just because of the park, but Yikes. I don't know if I'm going to be going anywhere near Lyles, and, but though Montas has been pretty good, right? Yeah, you know, Lyles, I'm not trusting him against an, an AL hitting team. I feel like AL offense just knows how to put up runs on the board better than an NL team. They got the long ball, even though Lyles has been pitching well this year, more or less, as he, he has fallen off a bit. But at the same time, I'm still not ready to trust Lyles. But Montes, on the other hand, that Pittsburgh offense does not scare me at all. Josh Bell, Starling Marte. These are Adam Frazier, Gregory Polanco, Melky Cabrera. These are guys that don't scare me when I see a hard-throwing guy like Frankie. Are you rostering Frankie on Sunday? Possibly, possibly. I mean, the only guy that I'm scared of, like you mentioned, is Bell. He's been hitting the ball pretty well hit a homer yesterday, I believe. And yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting theory about to have, you have about interleague play with AL versus NL. Generally you hear that the AL team is a disadvantage because they lose their DH and they kind of plan on having that. They haven't been playing Chris Davis in the field, correct? Chris Davis, on the other hand, you know, Chris is playing in this interleague series. He's already walking. He's getting hits. That entire offense is basically intact, more or less. I'm surprised Chris Davis doesn't play more outfield in real life. The guy's capable of doing it. Yeah, that's a big advantage. I mean, when the Red Sox had Big Poppy, that was a DH only. Whenever they played an interleague or a national league, Francona at the time when he was his manager or Farrell was always so afraid of playing him in the field. And yeah, so when you have a DH like Davis that can play the outfield in an interleague series, that's a big advantage for American League team. The reason why Big Poppy wasn't on the field is because he's so big he can eat Chris Davis a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And plus he wasn't exactly the best fielder and they were always worried about him getting hurt as well. No doubt about that. Well, let's go to Philadelphia where the Anibal, the Animal Anibal Sanchez is on the mound against Zach Eflin. Well, like I said uh, just previously, this is a rainout concern. This is a division opponent, very easy to make up. If one game were to be postponed, well, let me rephrase that. Now, th this is the game that's most likely to postpone since the Yankees, when we get to them, push their start time back to four o'clock, I believe, because of weather concerns. So this game is is 
I'm going to say a likely postponement. Okay. So don't even look at this from a fancy aspect. <laughs> However, if we were to look at it as a fancy, do you think Bryce Harper against Anibal Sanchez, how do you like that matchup? A, I, I never like to completely rule out a game until like an hour or two before because weather can change right up to the last minute, basically. But to answer your question, Sanchez um, has been surprisingly effective at keeping batters off balance. I know Harper is pretty much a dead red guy. He likes to sit on the fastball. But if, if Sanchez makes a mistake, yeah, Harper is going to crush it. Yeah, it becomes an ego thing at that point. If Anibal thinks he can blow his fastball by the $4,600 Bryce Harper, he's going to try, and Bryce could take that ball easily into the upper deck. Agreed, agreed. I just think Sanchez has learned that his heater is not – he was never blazing to begin with, and it certainly has lost some of its steam. So he may go with his savvy, but still he's very capable of leaving a ball over the plate in a mistake pitch. That's what arm surgeries will do to you over the years. Let's go to Chicago. We're on the south side, I believe. The White Sox are hosting the Red Sox. We got Nova against Porcello. Warming up a little bit. We saw yesterday that the temperatures were getting warmer in Chicago, and they're warmer still today. Uh, Day game, temperature should be right near 70, right near that mark that I talked about earlier, that you start looking for hitters to get an advantage. Um, yeah, and, and the Red Sox lineup seems to have broken out of the early season doldrums and, should I say, showing their World Series horn. You kind of have to like the Red Sox in this spot, right? I agree with you. And focusing more on Ivan Nova, you look at his career. He was with the Yankees. He started out hot then really fizzled. It looked like his career was going to be over, but he went to Pittsburgh and he almost re energized his career there to land a nice contract. And now he's with the White Sox. But you look at why he was successful with Pittsburgh. And it was simple. Look at that outfield he had around him. He had Gregory Polanco, Andrew McCutcheon, Starlin Marte. Those guys can hawk down any ball hit anywhere in the field. Now he's with the White Sox. Who does he got? Adam Engel, Lori Garcia, Nicky Delmonico, Eloy Jimenez when he's healthy. These guys can't hawk down the ball like the others. Yeah, that's very true. In, in PNC Park in Pittsburgh, especially left field and left center field, was uh, you had a million miles of territory to cover there, and you really rarely see a home run hit the left field. So if a ball was hit out there, Marte and McCutcheon would swallow it up and catch it. I do have a question for you. I'm looking at ESPN. They have Dylan Covey as the starter. Um, so I guess, is there some question about who the starter is for the White Sox? I mean, if they, if they have something, I don't feel Ivan Nova is a staple that, you know, the White Sox are definitely going to pitch if it's his day. So maybe there's another plan for Dylan Covey. But let's just hypothetically say Dylan is pitching tomorrow. Do you downgrade the Red Sox at all? No, probably you may upgrade them. I mean, really, they should hit Covey or Nova no matter who's out there. So you like the stack of Ben Attendee at 3,800, Mookie Betts at 4,400. We're going to go clean up with J.D. Martinez at 4,100, but you only got one other guy on that FanDuel stack. Who are you stacking? Uh, J.D. I mean, he's he, most of last year he was plus 5,000. Obviously, he got off to a harder start than what he did this year, but I think it's only a matter of time till he's 
back at that 5000 plus price range. So playing now while he's underpriced. And I guess another guy that's starting to swing the ball a little bit better, swing the bat a little bit better, excuse me, is Raphael Devers. And you also have to like Michael Chavis, their rookie, who has a lot of pop in his bat and is not afraid of major league pitching at all. Okay, interesting. So maybe you're thinking a little bit of the back half hard of the lineup, like the yeah, four, five, four, six. six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All yeah. right, well, I like the potential. The Ducks can be on the pond and they just have to hit the Ducks home. That's right. Let's go to the last game of the main slate is the Milwaukee Brewers have Zach Davies on the mound hosting Jason Vargas in the match. Now, I'm writing, I wrote the article today for uh, WindailyDFS.com about pitching. You want to hear a weird stat about Zach Davies? Let's hear At it. At home, he hasn't given up any earned runs, but he has given up one home run, according to ESPN. So does that mean that that home run was hit after an error, so it's really not earned? Or I was wondering if ESPN just had an error. I thought every home run was an earned run. Have yeah, you, no. You know that? Yeah. If, it, if it's a third out and then, let's say, ground ball to short with two outs and there's an error so the inning continues, someone hits a home run, no earned runs because the inning would have been over with that third out. Okay. That, I, I learned something new every day. I, I just thought every home run was an earned run, no matter what. But yeah, uh, yeah just to, to get back to the game, Zach Davies, though, as I mentioned, he gave up one home run at home, has been spectacular at home. Uh, no earned runs, 12 innings pitched. The one problem is he has is eight walks and only five strikeouts. So I have him as my GPP pitcher, but part of the reason he's GPP only is that if you walk eight guys and strike out only five, it's going to come back to haunt you eventually, I think. But he's in a great spot against a Mets team that really is not doing anything offensively recently. And you got Jason Vargas on the mound. Uh, It's about time he gets smacked around, don't you think? Yeah, and looking at that Mets lineup, I mean, like, let's see, can Davies get those strikeouts up? Because... If his strikeouts stay low, if he only gets two or three a game, he's really only getting you 24, 30 points max and a yeah. fantasy performance. And that's not going to get it done. So let's look at some of these bats, these matchups. You got Pete Alonso against Davies. You got Conforto. You got Jeff McNeil, Robinson Cano. Does Davies have that sharp curve that can really fool these guys is the question. I think Alondo certainly strikeout prone, and Cano has shown that as well. McNeil and Conforto are pretty good contact hitters. So if you would say we're on monkey knife fight and the over-under is five and a half strikeouts for Davies, I would take the under. Yeah, I'm feeling you. But at the same time, I wouldn't even touch it. But I understand no. where you're coming from. Yeah. The Mets, I, w- I, w- I like Davies to do well. I agree with you, but without the strikeouts, there's really no fantasy appeal there. And then Jason Vargas, on the other hand, is he going to survive this Milwaukee lineup? Someone that is considering putting on beast or bust, but we can talk about him right now. Jesus Aguilar, the guy started out the week hotter than anyone, hitting two home runs the first game. Then he hit another home run on Tuesday, and he hasn't hit one since. Does he get it going against Vargas? Yeah, he's a lefty masher. Jason Vargas, he's a, a dumpster fire waiting to happen. I like Aguilar. Interesting philosophy the Mets have with Vargas. They're really going into the game only expecting him to go at the most five innings. So he's sort of like the 
opener on steroids type of deal, like if you know what I mean. So then the Mets go to their bullpen, and I don't think the Mets bullpen's very good either. Yeah, and you don't want to start a starting pitcher that's not at least potential six innings because you need that QS four points just to lock into that that starting pitching total. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. All right. Well, that was whipping around the infield. We'll be back with Beast or Bust. All I need is a beauty and a beast. It's Beast or Bust, a hard-hitting, rapid-fire question. I'm joined by Mark Parquet. Mark, you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready. You test me, and I'm going to pass it. Let's go. All right. Let's go. Beast or bust, Edwin Encarnacion, he's got three home runs in the last seven games. Does he hit another home run against his former team? He's a streaky hitter, yes. He's going good now. He's going to stay going good tomorrow. Beast or bust, Ryan Braun, he had a home run Thursday. He had a home run Friday. Does he continue the magic? Wow, I hate to be the beast guy here, but he's going against a soft-tossing lefty. When a lefty is on the mound and bronze the batter, you, you pencil him into your lineup. Lock him in, beast. We're going with a pitcher this time. Jordan Lyles is hosting the athletics. He's given up six earned runs in his last nine innings. Beast or bust? I was hoping you'd give me a guy to go bust. I hate to just go beast throughout the lineup. So you threw me. Jordan Lyles, he's a bust. Oakland can hit, like you said. Lyles showed that he is not Superman like everyone in the DFS industry thought he was before his last start. He's a bust. Rick Porcello brings his 5.52 ERA as well as a very low $7,400 price tag on FanDuel. How did you do against the White Sox? Beast or bust? This is a great, that's a great choice right there. I like him, so I'm going beast. Let me tell you why. Porcello is a streaky pitcher. His last two starts have been very good. The thing that makes me change or at least hesitate is that White Sox are terrible against lefties, pretty good against righties. So that gives me some hesitation there. But I like Porcello isn't the normal righty. He's a sinker baller. His stuff has never been A-plus anyways. So I like him here. Let's go beast. Beast, I like it. Good sleeper option in daily fantasy. Last but not least, be careful how you answer this question. He does not play very often, but we expect him in the lineup against his former team this time on the road. Keon Broxton at Milwaukee. Wow. Yeah, Broxton's an interesting guy going against his former team in Milwaukee, but I like Milwaukee's pitcher, Dady, so I think he's going to shut Buxton down, so let's go bust. If Broxton gets on base, he's going to steal. I'm going to tell you that's a beast. I'm Muncher Domis. I was joined by Mark Parquet. You can get the book, Win Daily, Winning Fantasy Sports and Life by Jason Mezrahi on Amazon and all the daily fantasy sports needs at windailydfs.com. Beast.